pray for our church, pray for you guys. And then this funny thing called March 2020 happened. Does anyone know what happened in March 2020? Our friend COVID. And so we weren't allowed to meet in the city anymore. And so we were like, oh God, is this, is this something that you're asking us to like pull back on? And we just sensed like, heck no. Why would we pull back on prayer, especially when there's a global pandemic happening? And so we lent in. And so this prayer room was birthed. And so every morning, seven days a week at 7 a.m., a bunch of us would log on to Zoom up until August, so March to August, 7 a.m. every day and pray. Now, I can be honest, was a bit nervous about preaching this passage because I really don't know the first thing about prayer, but I'm learning. And the more times I show up in the mornings, the more I'm learning to pray. Not just because of me getting better at saying words out loud that may or may not make sense, but because of everybody else who joins into that group. Because the things that I'm passionate about and the things that come to my mind to pray for are not the same things as Chris or as Richard or as Drew or Jimmy or Hannah or Alex or Ella. And so we've actually made each other better and deepened and richened our prayer language by doing it together. And so that's how the prayer room came to existence. And so now we meet weekdays at 7 a.m. church.nu slash prayer if you'd like to join us. It's a wild time. And so what you're going to hear from me tonight, I've got four things on the screen. Just in case I get jumbled up and you get confused, this is what you can look for. The first thing is that my, my heart and my genuine prayer will be like kind of woven throughout this because I'm the one who's talking. Um, so if something doesn't make sense or you're like, that's weird, just be like, oh, that must just be Lauren. Um, the second thing, as you've already experienced, you can look for stories about the New Life Brisbane prayer room. The third thing is how Paul teaches us to pray, both in his com content and his emphasis throughout the passage that we're looking at tonight. And then the fourth thing is really important. It's whatever Holy Spirit is going to be speaking to you. So some of my words may not make sense, you may not like them, but listen for what Holy Spirit wants to say to you. Because what I hope that you hear most of all tonight is the delight that God feels about you. As we explore this passage, I hope that comes alive. The love that he has poured out on you and the way that throughout centuries and generations, God has been calling people to their knees and teaching them how to pray. Not just for what we have decided are kind of like the big picture, big ticket things, but actually for you. That as we read this passage, it's gonna talk about all of the Lord's people, all of the saints, all of the generations, and that actually includes you. So thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for being here tonight. He loves you. He loves getting to hang out with you. He loves hearing you chat with him through prayer. And so, um, yeah, if there's one thing that you remember tonight, it's that he is better. He's better than anything that you think is even the best thing that is possible about God. And he loves when you hang out with him and when you chat with him in prayer. So um, when I hang out with people, I don't really appreciate this, but I'm, I'm told that it's a good thing that people like to do. They like to hang out and play games. So I thought that would be a great thing. So everybody stand up. We're going to play a game. When we um, started Pathways, we used to play this game where there'd be a thing on a screen and you'd have to face this way if you thought it was this answer or this way if you thought it was this answer. Then Zoom came along and we changed our game to Zoom Reacts. So everybody give me a big thumbs up. 
Great, you can do double-handed if you're extra enthusiastic like Crispian. Um, And give me some prayer hands or clap hands, depending on how you think of them. Great. So they're your two options, right? Thumbs up or prayer hands. How many times is prayer mentioned in the Bible? Give me a thumbs up if you think it's 900. Give me a clap if you think it's 650. All right, anyone who gave me a clap, you are correct. 650 times. But because we're Christians, everybody wins, so stay standing up. How good. Great. Okay, question number two. How many recorded answers to prayer are there in the Bible? Give me a thumbs up if you think it's 450. Give me a clap if you think it's 650. All right, if you gave me a thumbs up, you are correct. 450 times prayers are recorded to be answered in the Bible. Okay, question number three. How many times did Jesus pray? Okay, thumbs up if you think it's always. Clap if you think it's 25. Everybody's right. (laughs) It is always but 25 recorded times in the Bible. (laughs) That was a good one. Um... I shouldn't laugh at myself. Okay, um, okay switching, switching gears a little bit. How many times does Paul talk about prayer? Okay, um, this is kind of a tricky one. Give me a thumbs up if you think it's 41. Give me a clap if you think it's 42. Pretty good, pretty close, pretty even. Thumbs up, you have it. 41 times. Okay. Second last question, which prayer posture is the most commonly mentioned throughout Scripture? Thumbs up if you think it's standing. Clap if you think it is kneeling. Oh, wow. That's not what I was expecting, but you're right. Yeah. (laughs) Kneeling. Well done. You can sit down. Thank you for playing along. But one more question before I stop hassling you, and then you can just listen. Part, two parts to it. Um, it's going to be on the screen. I want you to turn to the person next to you and tell them in 30 seconds, share it around, say like, I don't know, that's like seven and a half seconds each per question. How did you learn to pray? And then how did you learn what you should pray about? Go, 30 seconds. back to me. Look, I learned this from Calvin the other day. It works really well. Like when you want to finish something, you just go like this. Yeah, great. Alrighty, let me read you a quote and then we'll keep talking. John Stott, beautiful theologian, says, one of the best ways to discover a Christian's chief anxieties and ambition is to study the content of his prayers and the intensity with which he prays them. We all pray about what concerns us and are evidently not concerned about matters we do not include in our prayers. In the words of my friend Jimmy, he would say, that rips. (laughs) It hurts a little bit, right? Me too, as well as probably some of you. And I raise this with us not as condemnation, but healthy conviction. And I share this with you secondly, because even though I didn't hear any of your answers, what I assume is that most of us learned how to pray by imitating other people. I think we learn to pray by imitation. We learn to pray by hearing prayers of others and by praying, and I think we learn what to pray for by the same way. 
People are a gift, hear me. People are a gift. Having people to follow, people to lead you, people to teach you is such a gift. But I believe the scripture is the source of words of life. Words that never change, promises that are secure, hope in its most tangible form. Comfort for us, enough for us to last us through even the darkest night. And scripture is full of examples of people who learned to pray and who taught us to pray. Who learned to pray and learned to pray what about? Psalms, Jesus, Paul, the apostles, everybody throughout scripture, full of examples. And so tonight, more than just kind of working our way through the passage, even though we'll still do that, what I want us to do is actually sit at Paul's feet, just the way that the disciples sat at Jesus' feet and said, Lord, teach us to pray. We're going to say, Paul, teach us to pray because I need to learn how to pray. I, I have no clue how to pray in so many instances. And so we can learn from Scripture so much. So you've already got Ephesians 3 ready to go. This is the time to pull that out again. From verse 14, the little number, let's go. Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, come. Come and strengthen us out of your glorious riches tonight in our inner beings. Come and pierce through every layer that is between our hearts and you. Come take our hardness of heart. Come take our bitterness, our unforgiveness, our questions, our skepticism, our cynicism. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would melt all those things away with your love. Come and teach us how to pray that we would be people who know your power, who live in your power. And who make much of Jesus every day of our lives. That all glory would return to you because it's from you anyway. God, let your kingdom come, your will be done here in Brisbane as it is in heaven this afternoon. In us, that it might be through us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. One cool thing that I, I read in a commentary this week as I was preparing for this um, sermon was the way that they introduced this section of Paul's letter from the start of chapter 3 into this one. And actually, it kind of works with the whole um, of 1, 2, and then the first half of 3 because Ephesians splits really nicely into two halves. Not that we ever do that, but the first half is like about doctrine, about getting our theology and our, our thinking right. And then the second half goes into really practical stuff like right living. And he connects these two things beautifully with this prayer. 
And so this guy said, um, this section is from exposition to intercession. So um, exposition is like a, a description or an explanation of an idea or a theory. And then intercession is um, kind of like intervening on behalf of somebody else. So when we talk about prayer and intercessory prayer, it's um, like I like to use the word standing in the gap for somebody else. So we, we're giving our faith to something that somebody else can't see yet, right? So from exposition to intercession he says preaching and prayer should always go together. And I, I love this because um, that was really the conviction that Pastor Mike and I felt as we were dreaming about what reopening church would look like after COVID last year. Um, and, and a massive honor moment to you guys for the way that you did house church, the way that after the service finished, you didn't just like kind of pack up and, and do your own things, but you actually reflected on the sermon and you prayed together, you prayed for one another. And that was so inspiring that we didn't want to come back to how things used to be. And so do you know what was born from that? Lingering. Because we wanted to make space for prayer because we had all these COVID guidelines. Obviously, we weren't allowed to hang out in the church, which technically we're still not. Um, but anyway, hang around for lingering. And so we created this space where on purpose, we could have prayer and have extra worship. And that was really inspired by you guys and your faith. Anyway, that was just a little aside, but back to the text. Verse 14, Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Now, if we look back to verse 1 of this chapter, chapter 3, the words that Paul says right at the start are, For this reason I. <laughs> Paul gets totally distracted here by the magnitude of what God has done in bringing together Jew and Gentile, bringing together humanity and divinity that he, he just he forgets his train of thought and he just goes off on another tangent, right? But in here, um, here in verse 14, Paul returns to his original thought. For this reason, for all that God has already accomplished, for the demonstration of his goodness, his purposes, his faithfulness, as revealed to us in the scriptures, for this reason, he prays. Again, this is another reason why prayer and preaching always go together, because preaching reminds us of God's revealed will, and then through prayer, we ask him to do it. The same guy that I'm going to quote quite a bit tonight, John Stott, says that we have no authority to pray for anything that God has not already revealed in his will. It's kind of cool, actually. And um, if you remember back to the guidelines that we jokingly posted at the start, um, one of them, actually the first one, is that we start from and we pray from Scripture. Now, this isn't a hard and fast rule. There are plenty of prayers that I say that don't do this. But what we're trying to teach ourselves to do is that my feelings change. My energy levels change. What I'm thinking about that morning changes. But the words that God has put for us in Scripture don't. And so when we attach our prayers through this vessel of the word, we actually have this real crazy level of authority and boldness and assurance that his will will happen because it's not just what I think should happen. And um, another verse that has really shaped this for our prayer room is um, Habakkuk 3.2. It says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Do them again. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. And so we attach in our time to so many of our prayers because we're saying, God, we, we know what you've already accomplished. We can read about it. We can hear about it. We can listen to sermons about it. We can sing about it. We know what you've already done. And now we're asking you to do it again. There's so much power in that. And the other thing, um, well, another thing about this particular two verses is that um, posture is important. Now, I know I stitched some of you guys up at an all-in that we had earlier in the year, and I'm like, you guys can take a seat. <laughs> Just kidding. Don't sit down. Um, so I'm really sorry about that. Um, 
But posture does matter, and I passionately believe that posture matters. And Paul, um, he believes this and he does this. You see, kneeling wasn't the usual prayer posture for a Jewish man. Standing was. It's kind of like this. That was the usual prayer posture. And so what Paul does with his physical posture by kneeling is this outward reflection of what's going on in his heart. Total submission and total humility before God. He's not wondering if anyone's watching. And he's thinking, he's thinking even if they are watching, I don't care. I'm more concerned about my audience of one than about whoever is in the room. He shows us what it looks like to get uncomfortable, like David, to get undignified, to posture our physical bodies in a way that our hearts can match. And then the last thing from these two verses is that many scholars would agree that a more helpful translation of this verse is not um, from whom every family, but actually from um, the father from whom the whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. And that's because that solidifies what Paul has already made so clear in chapters 2 and 3, that every single barrier and wall has been torn down and removed, and that there is nothing, nothing separating us from God or from each other anymore. All are one because of what Jesus has done. In Jesus, we are one. That has been totally torn down. So verse 16 He prays, I pray out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. We go back to chapter one and in those first few verses, we remember that spiritual blessing, every spiritual blessing is ours because it's his. That out of God's infinite abundance, he strengthens us with power through the Holy Spirit, the same spirit who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. The second thing here is that to dwell means to settle down somewhere to kind of take up permanent residency. It's not renting, it's owning. It's being at home, not visiting. Does that make sense? So what this text is saying, it's, it's kind of echoes of John 15, right, where it's abide in me as I abide in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But the emphasis here is that Jesus wants to dwell in us, that Jesus wants to live, make a permanent home in you. Don't miss that. He wants to be with you. And I think that's one thing that sets Christianity apart from other world religions. Because our God is intimately involved and invested. He's close to us. That just as the Father sent the Son and the Son and the Father together sent us the Holy Spirit to dwell with us, it's in us, in our inner being. And that's a gift to anyone believes. Like Ephesians 2 is by grace through faith. He says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And friends, love is central to the Christian life. We have to have deep roots and a firm foundation all centered around love. Love is not something that's just a concept. It's also not something that is cold and dead and unexperienced. Friends, I think for too long, evangelical Christians have kind of put the experience of the love of God on ice for fear of it being misinterpreted or applied out of context. And I think that needs to stop. Because if we look at verses like John 3, 16, it's for God so loved the world. 1 John 4, 10 says, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. We just need to redefine love and let the world know what it actually is. Charles Spurgeon, really cool thinker, says, Alas, 
To a great many religious people, the love of Jesus is not a solid, substantial thing at all. It is a beautiful fiction, a sentimental belief, a formal theory. But to Paul, it was real. It was a real, substantial, measurable fact. He had considered it this way and that way and the other way. And it was evidently real to him, whatever it might be to others. God's love is wide enough to include every person. Jew, Gentile, male, female, slave, free, black, white, whatever it is, it's wide enough. God's love is long enough to last through all of eternity. We know where the story is going. God's plan for the world, for humanity, is safe and secure. God's love is deep enough to reach the worst sinner. Do you know how I know that's true? Because he saved me. And God's love is high enough to raise us up and seat us in heavenly places with Christ. And we have the assurance of that when we receive the seal of the Holy Spirit. The end of chapter 1 talks about that. And not only that, but to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Again, John Stott, he says, to be filled with God is beautiful. To be filled to capacity is even better. But to be filled to capacity with all of the fullness of God is too wonderful for us to even comprehend. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Verse 16, if we take our eyes back there, it says that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. And then verse 18 is that we may have power. Subtle difference, and maybe I'm reading into this, but I think it's, it's cool. Because we have the Holy Spirit with us. That's what Jesus promises in places like John 16. I'll send the counselor who will be with you. And then when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we have Holy Spirit in us. But then when we have Holy Spirit upon us is another thing. And that is the significance of the days like today, Pentecost Sunday. Because we need power. We need power. And I, I don't know if any of you guys remember, but the last time that I preached was actually um, Genesis 11, and my main thing was about language and the way that the Tower of Babel in, in Genesis 11 actually confused all of the languages of the world so that people couldn't hear, and so they couldn't participate properly in the mission that God had given humanity to be fruitful, to multiply, fill the earth, and to tell the world of God's glory. And then on the day of Pentecost... All of the believers are together in one room. They're sharing everything in common. They're waiting on God. Acts 1 talks about Jesus before he ascends to the Father saying, wait for the gift my Father promised. Because when you do, when you receive this gift, you'll also receive power. Power will come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then Acts chapter 2, they're waiting, they're praying. And with this mighty sound of a rushing wind, the Holy Spirit comes through. And what happens? They can hear each other again. It's the reversal of what happened at Babel. So that God's message can go out across all the earth, not just to Jew, but to Gentile and to us as well. And so we need Holy Spirit to come upon us. Not because we're any less without it, but that's how we receive power. 
Don Carson says it, noth- it takes nothing less than the power of God to enable us to grasp the love of Christ. I think this is because we want independence. Because if we're honest, we don't really get, want to get that close to God where we feel dependent on him. That makes us uncomfortable. We don't want to get close enough to God to be overwhelmed and overpowered by his love. Often it's at that point we back away. We want something of his power, but we want it on our terms. We want something of his kingdom, but we want it on our terms. We want to know his peace or his love or his justice, but we want it on our terms. We want to still be in control. But Paul prays here for us to have power that we would be controlled by God himself. Our deep and apathetic self-centeredness, this is Don Carson, our deep and pathetic self-centeredness is precisely why it takes the power of God to transform us if we are to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and grow to this maturity that the scriptures hold out before us. Experience is critical to knowing God. Just as you can intellectually understand forgiveness, but until you've actually had to do it, you don't really understand forgiveness. It's experience that takes intellectual reality into actual reality. But experience happens best and is safest in community. John Stutt says it needs the whole people of God to understand the whole love of God. This stuff can't just be intellectual comprehension. We need something to connect and we need God to do that for us because we are incompetent of doing that for ourselves. And then we make it to the end, where we see that the ultimate purpose of Paul's prayer is that God would have all of the glory. The whole purpose of prayer is that God would have all of the glory. It's all rightfully his anyway. Prayer just helps reorient our hearts to remember that, to see him rightly, to see ourselves rightly. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And friends, if we, if we learn to pray by imitation, the prayers of scripture set us up pretty flippin' well. You know, we've looked at the content of Paul's prayer tonight. We've looked at the intensity to which he prays it. And I haven't even done that justice. But we've seen, we've examined, we've opened it up for ourselves. We've shone a light on what Paul is most concerned about. Do you remember that quote that I said at the start? One of the best ways to discover a Christian's chief anxieties and ambition is to study the content of his prayers and the intensity with which he prays them. We pray about what concerns us and are evidently not concerned about matters we don't include in our prayers. We've looked at the content and the intensity to which Paul prays, and we've seen what he's concerned about. His biggest concerns are that we would be strengthened with the power of the Holy Spirit so that Jesus can make a permanent home with us, in us. And secondly, that we'd experience the power of the Holy Spirit to experience the magnitude, to be filled with the absolute capacity of God's love for us. Filled to capacity with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And that all of this would be for God's glory and for his name. 
throughout every generation of the church and in Christ Jesus for eternity. Friends, like Aaron said before, if this is all sounding a little weird, it's because it is. But it's also the most beautiful gift we could ever receive. I have one more quote that I want to share with you tonight. It says, a man full of the Spirit is one who is living a normal Christian life. Fullness of the Spirit is not a state of spiritual aristocracy. I'm going to go with that. To which a few can attain. It's not that. Anything less than the fullness of the Spirit for the Christian man is disease of the spiritual life. A low ebb of vitality. Fullness of the Spirit is not abnormal, but normal Christian life. And as if you want to come play for us, that would be awesome. Um, I read this and this, this rubs me the wrong way because this is not what my life looks like. And I wonder if that's similar for you. Fullness of the Spirit is not abnormal, but normal Christian life. I'm like, heck, I need help. Teach me to pray, Lord. My life doesn't look like this. You know in the, the Gospels where Jesus is like, you'll do even greater things than me. I'm like, yeah, sick. Um, <laughs> again, my life doesn't look like that. And so um, I actually wonder if, if some of us tonight want to pray for this want to pray to be filled to all of the fullness of God with the Holy Spirit. And um, yeah, you can, you can stay sitting, but, um, but I'm actually going to kneel. Um, and I'd love it if, if any of you guys are wanting that to join me. Um, jump out into the aisles, come down the front. Like, let's not be weird about this stuff. It should be normal. <laughs> As he said. Yeah, Jesus, we just, we want to be filled to fullness. We want to know you better. We need our hearts to become more aware of who you are. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the, like the blowing of a violent wind came from the heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Come Holy Spirit. there are some of us who are sitting on the ground and we've done this a billion times before but we need you more than ever some of us this is the first time we've even walked into a church building and we're like what the heck is everyone doing but I want in 
Lord, I thank you that your love covers every height, depth, length, width. That no matter how we're physically postured right now, not because anybody's looking, no matter how we're posturing ourselves, you see us and you love us and you know us. You long to fill us with the fullness of God. But Father, there is so much going on in our world that we cannot make sense of, that we don't seem to be able to do anything about. But we believe that as it's revealed to us in the Scriptures, you can and you will. Like Places like Second Chronicles say, when my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, seek my face, I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sins and I'll heal their land. Come, Holy Spirit, we need you. Yeah, just take a moment just to talk with God, just to ask Him what you need. If it's a fresh infilling, if it's an infilling for the first time, if you need to be encouraged or loved on, if you need a big hug, just ask him. If there's stuff that's that's messy about your life, there are ways that you have turned and walked away from him instead of towards him. You can just tell him. He knows already. Come Holy Spirit. Can we just, can we sing some of Fresh Wind? You can stay where you are, like, there's no reason that has to change, babe. Yeah, maybe verse two. Yeah, Lord, teach us to pray. We need you more. 
to give you a new side of his spirit, a new side of what it means to know who God is. So as you keep praying this, I feel like God wants to answer that for some of us tonight. He's a good God. Let's make this our prayer. Let us become. Let us become. given to us to live with us thank you that then he came and filled us and I thank you that Pentecost Sunday reminds us the Holy Spirit is also upon us that we get to live in the reality of his presence and your presence and your love every single day of our lives. There's no moment, no space, no circumstance that is too far outside of your reach, Father. Let us become more aware of your presence in hindsight, in the moment, and as we look towards our future. That our city would know the name of Jesus because of the way that he touched our lives, because of the way that we experienced his power in our lives. King and kingdom come is what we pray. More people, more like Jesus in the center of Brisbane City and everywhere that Brisbane touches. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus and throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Friends, That's the end of our service tonight. We will stick around for lingering and prayer. And if you'd like to be filled with the Spirit, if you'd like to ask for that, um, come and see us. We'd love to fumble our way through a prayer for that with you. Um, 
Lord, we pray tonight that you would go in the love of the Father, who out of the abundance of who He is, sent Jesus to come and be with you, to come and walk the life that you walk, to know every amount of pain and suffering and hardship and joy that you know. There is nothing that is outside of what He understands about the human condition, except for sin. (laughs) And we thank you that in that love, the Father and the Son sent the Spirit, again, to be with us, to be in us and to be upon us. That every place that you step your feet this week would be touched by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. So go in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for being with us this afternoon. We pray you have a wonderful week and we'll see you next weekend. But prayer space will be open. Cal will be there, Alex will be there, I'll be over there. Um, And the team's gonna just keep leading us. Parents, if you need to go pick up kids, now is the time to do that. But you're very welcome to bring them back. Kids are just as much part of what God is doing in all of the generations as anybody else. So please bring them back. Um, But yeah, bless you. We'll see you next weekend. All right, girl.